Welcome to the Ship It Podcast. I'm Brandon, and we've got a bunch of people here today. Uh, let's start it off with Matt. Hey, I'm Matt Merrill. I'm Matt DiDomenico. I'm Ian. <laughs> Dave Elfke. <laughs> Ian doesn't get last names. Um, today, we're talking about scaling, aka what I've dubbed uh, You Are Not Facebook. And I called it that because it seems like a lot of customers we've worked with, and just people in general, try to solve problems like you are becoming the next Facebook. Like, let's solve that today. Let's just put on all this work to, like, uh, you know, pre- prepare to scale down the road, but, you know, kind of end up solving problems that you don't have yet. So that's the theme. Um, we've all dealt with this kind of thing before, both in our personal projects and, like, dealing with clients that like, kind of impose some things on us like this. Um, what was that acronym? I always Yagni. Yagni. You ain't going to need it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing to follow. I remember when I worked at full screen, I was doing that. I was doing a lot of that, like, well, you know, I'm writing this. It takes an extra parameters. It can do this thing. If we need it later. And they're like, you're not going to need it. Yeah. And you're like, stop doing that. And uh, they had to slap me on the back of the wrist a couple times for that. But it was better. I became like a better developer for it. It's weird to solve problems that don't exist, but it feels like the right thing to do. It makes you feel important. Yeah. You know, it makes you feel like you should get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm trying to do the best. I'm trying to be like an ace, a maverick, you know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, you know, see the future and try to solve it, solve for it now. So how do you avoid doing that? Like, it, it's easy to get in this trap of like, oh, well, maybe we'll have to like add caching here. Or maybe we're going to have to like change this store later to, I don't know, do X, Y, Z. But like, are there like code smells, is, I guess is what I'm getting at? I think, the, I think the first one that comes to mind is performance. I mean, there's lots of reasons that people do that. But like, just unless if it's really bad what you're writing, just don't optimize it now. Yeah, I think it's as simple as that. Just like, yeah, you can get up, you can set up caching and set up all these like scalable servers and like all this crazy stuff, and just like just use it. And if it's if it becomes a problem, then solve it because you're gonna make your code a lot more complex, and you might not ever need to. So just like keep it simple as possible for now. I see a lot with like AWS pipelines too. People know of AWS, think that they should be on it because all these big companies are on it. And they just want all of their stuff to be on AWS because they're like, we'll get speed and scalability and all this. And it's like they don't understand the DevOps challenge of doing that. Yeah, and there's like six people who do DevOps in the world too, right? <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, I think it, it obviously depends what like stage you're at. But I mean, I think that's probably one of the reasons that we advocate for Heroku at first. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Jesse's big on this too. He always says like, uh, you know, get it running first and then worry about the rest later. It's like the hackathon mentality of just like, but it's so easy to not do that because I think there's, um, for me anyway, it's like almost embarrassment. Like other people are going to see this shit code that I wrote. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want, like I'm going to be judged. So let me, let me polish it. Like let me put this PR out there. But like, you, you, okay, great example. This like internal app we have called Ground Control that Jesse, he, he says he writes it while he's drinking wine late at night and learning Vue. <laughs> uh, but I like, looked at the code for it and it was like, you know, it needed some, like, I put in a couple PRs to sort of like clean some things up. Um, but he doesn't care. Like it, he has no like hubris about that. It's just, but it's running, it's working. Like it's deployed software that's doing fine. Do you think part of the problem is that like you compare it to the last thing you were on? So it's like you work on this pro- this project that's been around for like 10 yeah. years and you have this crazy pipeline that does all this CI and CD and like automated testing and um it, you know it, it's got the bells and whistles <laughs> yeah it uses use cdns and like akamai and it's just like yeah but that's like after 10 years you needed those optimizations yeah you're supposed to grow to that right. yeah which is that's true we should say that like we do advocate for heroku a lot because it's if you haven't used it it's really easy it's like um 
I'm trying to think of what to compare it to, actually. I don't really know other services. It's like Beanstalk, but yeah, that's but even higher eater, level, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, actually, I had to, so we um, we use Heroku for Meat Eater, and the other day I noticed I was like, oh, I got like a notification because of like their their threshold I had set for an alert had like been breached, and I was like, oh crap! So I opened up their analytics, and for whatever reason, they had just a ton of users on the site suddenly. So I just <laughs> I went in and I was like. One more dino. It just like dropped down a drop down. I was like, that was easy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was it. that's that's my kind of scaling. That's how I like to scale. Was that already set up to have like multiple nodes? Was it load balanced, or did you just scale up the instance in that case? Uh, in this case, it was just scaling up the instance, so it's just like more memory on that. Yeah, so just scale it up for now. Yep. It's not really a big deal. Yeah, but even when you go to like multiple, like the clustered kind of setup, it's it's pretty straightforward and handled to do that way. But we were talking about this too, like load balancers. Mm. It's a uh, well, we had talked about why it's important to know that they exist and why you need them. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to write all your code for it today, but like, don't shoot yourself in the foot either. I was used to the term, don't paint yourself into a corner. I think one thing that helps me like, keep a, like, a sense of reality on this is thinking about like what, not thinking about what other developers are going to think of my code, but think about what the user is going to think of the end product instead. So you, right, you want to, our job is to provide some functionality to users, right? If you can keep that in your, if you can keep that in your mind, you're probably going to want to drive towards something that you can show as opposed to something that will impress other developers, right? That's a really good point. And it makes me think of like, yeah, if you were to bring the, the result of your work to a stakeholder, like say a board member or a customer, um, and a customer says, you know, we have this bug that we're hitting all the time and like, I can't finish this thing I'm trying to do. And you come back and you're like, but now it scales. What do you think their reaction is going to be? They're like, well, cool. what is better now? Like, well, in the future, we can potentially scale this thing out and more people can use it. You're like, yeah, but... Did I just pay you what? for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just paid you my monthly subscription the other day. That was due. And we didn't get anything. Yeah. It's a giant process of learning too. So like when you show that to some stakeholder, they might be like, Oh, well, we don't even need this thing. Forget about it. Like, you know, build something else instead. Right. So like, you don't want to waste your time on that. Yeah. I mean, how many apps or projects have you worked on where like the thing pivots or just died? That, that was my other point. Yeah. I've been on so many of those. Like I try to think like, what happens if this gets thrown away tomorrow? Yeah. How, how upset am I going to be? Like I just spent three days putting in a CI CD pipeline into AWS or eh, I put something together with the create react, re, create react app or yeah. something like that. Were you the one who had someone here we had interviewed had to like not ship something for like two years had worked on it four years. It was you. <laughs> oh God. How do you like that was, were you that scaling was, the entire time? You, no. So we were good. I would say we were good on the scaling aspect of things. <laughs> we were, we, were we did no scaling. It. Yeah, we had no scaling. Um, so, we, no, we were good in that department. You know, as far as we didn't have all the fancy stuff like CircleCI or anything for deployment. All our deployments were manual. But then again, since we weren't actually, you know, we didn't actually have users, deployment wasn't really a concern. But, no, that was one thing I would say that we actually did pretty uh, pretty properly. Okay. Yeah. Did it manually, like, FTP servers? We SSH'd in and... and... When's the last time you FTP'd into Ooh. something? Just about 10 minutes ago. Really? <laughs> Helping my friend with the WordPress site. That's actually, that's funny. I was thinking that was my last time I had to FTP into a WordPress site to download some images. That's it. Yeah, they don't, they don't have like a uh, staging environment or anything. You just kind of edit the site. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about like scaling, it depends on how long we've been doing this, but it used to be like FTP into a thing and change like WP config or 
uh, SSH into a box and be like, run top and be like, what is using up all my memory? But now, like I can SSH into something in a while for, for do something like that. Like there's tools on top of that that we use, right? What you're saying, like DevOps people in the world, it's like, that's a whole beast on its own. Yeah, the other day I had to SSH into the a container that runs the migrations for our databases, but uh, I needed help with a, from a real DevOps person. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of like an edge case kind of thing, right? Yeah, it was kind of like uh, just the pipeline could have been set up to avoid it, I think, but just the way that we have it set up. So where do you think our like responsibility lies in terms of, like, we're engineers. There is obviously overlap in terms of uh, DevOps. There's overlap in terms of, like, testing and QA. There's a lot of overlap in different areas design. Um, in terms of, like, figuring out how much effort we need to put in early on for scaling, I'm wondering, is it, like, something we should be focused on, or is it more that we should be focused on doing less early on? That. That. (laughs) That's my opinion. I mean, to me, that's one of the jobs of a proper DevOps person is to take something that a development team creates and help scale it out. You know, like that. I mean, yeah, as a developer, you're going to have to do some of this. This is touching on the conversation that we had before, too. Like, where does server side development and DevOps end and begin? Yeah. But like a real DevOps team should be able to take that code and scale it out for you so you can focus on getting the thing that works right and then there's that ever-present like like i don't know what do you want to call it but animosity that's not really a good term between the development team and the devops team which is funny because that's not what it's supposed to be right but like they should be the ones saying like you guys really need to cut down memory utilization in this piece of the code because we can't scale it like that's the cue i feel like we should be looking for but that's ideal world you don't always have a devops team i would say if you have a devops team you're probably already pretty big right so the fact that you have a devops team is probably a good sign that you're probably that it's time to scale you know so yeah so i guess if you were like a startup and you had like you're the jack of all trades developer and you've gotten money and you're like the one guy there and you're like you need to like prepare to maybe scale this as people come on board do you start with aws do you just put on heroku and then figure it out later like is it is it truly like i see in the startup world it's different it's like you gotta have so many problems to tackle right away it's literally like just put out the fires as they come up or do you try and like prepare to not have those fires down the line you know there's there's some customers we have where they talk about this was a j curve or that hype thing where basically there's like this disillusionment phase of like putting in all this time and effort to prepare for this inevitability and then and then the idea that i was sold by one of our customers was that like after you get out of that that trough of disillusionment and, and hell that you're going to be, everything's going to be smooth and it's going to be great because you've built all these tools and you have all this stuff. And then it doesn't usually end up going that way. You end up being like, Oh, we've spent a lot of time working on this and now we're not even, oh, they're not going to use it at all. We're going to use like 10% of it. Um, it seems like a big waste of time and money, but you, you could like, here's a great example. Component libraries. What if you're going to build, yeah. <laughs> for those who can't who aren't in the room Davo just rolled his eyes like, like, I think he might have been able to hear it <laughs> I, I cringed a little it hurt. you don't like component libraries? no I do I do I just I don't think it should be like the first thing you make yeah oh make I would, ne- I would never make well at some point but I would never Not the first have it on the table to begin with yeah I think it's something you go back for and like refactor later definitely make some money first get some users I feel like it's like version 4 okay it's at some point, but definitely not early. Yeah. Well, there's certain things like, you know, Adam talks about it. Adam Frazier works here. He's worked on a bunch of component libraries, but he also was talking about accessibility. And it's one of those things you want to like think about early on because going back to refactor, it's a real pain in the butt. Even something as simple as like tab indexes, you know, um, 
So those are like those kinds of, th- but then you got to think about like what your customer is like, is accessibility the number one thing? Maybe it should be. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. Again, I think it's one of those situations where you just need to be aware of it so you don't paint yourself into a corner when you're structuring your components. Just what if I needed to do that someday? Like just asking that question is almost enough unless it's some explicit requirement. Do you think that there's like a list of those questions you could give to a junior person who hasn't gone through those things before? You know, there's a we, little should, we should make that. Yeah, there you go. Like accessibility. Do you need to do that right now? I mean, I think it's going to depend on the industry too, right? I mean, who are... Who's your target audience? I think they're, I think most of the times you wouldn't probably optimize for accessibility, but if you're making something that should be accessible, I think you'll know it. Yeah. If it's a like government related, you're like, probably going to want to make that accessible. Like just, you know, it depends on the, the vertical. Some, something maybe in the medical field, you know? Yeah. Like where the primary user is somebody that's not well. But I think the key there is, you know, if you're not sure, ask. Don't just assume and do it, right? Yeah. There's well, no. yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you should know. You should know. No, I think that's a good point, though. I think it's it's all about knowing, knowing your customer base. You're knowing knowing your product because, I mean, for example, we had we started off by saying that optimization isn't necessarily an important thing to start out with, but you know, depending on you know if your demographic is uh, is an audience maybe in another country where you know the average person has 3G internet or something, you know, maybe maybe that is you know. Uh, a good example of something where optimization is important. Yeah, there's other things like the type of product that it is. So like if your product scales depending on users, then like we were talking about with being able to, while setting it up so that it could scale quickly either out or up, it kind of depends like if the product you're delivering isn't an app, but it's an API and one user could actually provide a huge amount of traffic. Say you were like, say we're building a product like segment or something like if one big user, if you get one customer, they could bring you down pretty easily if they're sending you like a hundred thousand events a minute or something like that. I mean, even that's not that bad, but I mean, once you get another customer, so I mean, it kind of depends on that's really, that's a way that your product scales though. Cause like every interaction, every page load, every like, yeah, exactly. Like APIs calls going back and forth, like constantly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At, I might have to cut this part out. We'll, we'll find out. But when um, early on, our they were doing this thing where they had a, a batch ingest kind of idea. It's like, hey, you got all your assets. There are tons and tons of files. These big media companies, and so they made this special API so you can just just push all that into like right into the. Uh, yeah, I was going to bring that up actually, based on my short stint with that specific yeah. thing. At the time, early on, they had to like specifically tell customers like okay, well, you're doing a batch ingest tonight and how much is the data and how long? Like, okay, so it'll take this long. Like, tell your customer not to do it until tomorrow because it was just like, that was the best. But that was like, to be fair, in the startup world, that was like, let's get something and then we'll get there eventually. Like, we'll fix it as we get there. But if, so their solution at first was just be like, just don't use it right now. It's busy. Yeah, I think that's kind of a reasonable approach yeah, though yeah. because otherwise they might not have been able to use it at all because they'd right. still be building it. That was profound. Yeah, it's like, you know, if it's if it's not perfect, well, what there's always, a, uh, I'm going to get the phrase wrong. It's like the enemy of, don't let the enemy of perfect be good enough or something like that. But Perfect is the enemy of done. Yeah, like I that. can't remember what it is. Basically, don't shoot for perfection. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the podcast where we butcher well-known quotes. Yeah, I think we've done that on every single one so far. Um, yeah, it's just, just get something out there, even if it's like kind of buggy and not working. Um, I'm starting to have this mindset of like, adding more logging in early on like roll bar or sentry or something like that because 
there are so many errors that I don't know happen on mm-hmm. sites that I'm building. And I have no idea if it's like a performance thing or like that might have been the issue with Meat Eater's alert that got came to me. Maybe it was some part of the site that caused a bug and like hit a spike. I don't know. If you, if you don't know that they happen, then they can't hurt you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's the other exist. approach. You just close your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> just stop my feet. <laughs> um, all right. Well, is there other stuff we can... Well, I mean, aside from like coming up with a defined list, which again is like, it depends on what you're going to build, right? Like if I'm going to build a government site or I'm going to build a mobile app or whatever, that list of like how to scale and what to prepare for is, is going to change every time. I think that seems like the... There are two takeaways here, and correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm missing one. Uh, seems like just get something out there is like the most important thing and it being perfect is not, it's not key. And um, like, don't try to prepare for some future that you haven't hit yet yeah. because you're probably just going to waste your time. <coughs> microservices. <coughs> <laughs> you don't like microservices? <laughs> it's pre-optimization. Oh, oh I see what you yeah. mean. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. don't need them. That is true. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like yeah, it's, it's very circumstantial. I mean, the, the one I was thinking about as an example is just like a function that formats currency, Okay, you know, you need it in this one place. And then like, for some reason, it's your first project. You have the, all these microservice setups and, um, that's terrible grammar, but, um, like you, you want to pull that into some common area and it's like, well, then somebody has to maintain it in that one place now. So there's another project needs something slightly different. And then you add another option that's like optional. And then somebody else does that. And you end up with this like, yeah. it's like, I just want it to look like a number. And it has like five, six, seven parameters because all these people need these special cases. And like, you really should have just waited and duplicated a couple times and built up the different use cases that will like come up and come up with a better abstraction. Yeah. Because you're probably trying to solve problems that are working for everybody, but in trying to be flexible and then doing so, you actually make them way more complex. Right. And I mean, maybe there's some circuit, maybe that becomes two different functions. That's fine. Like you don't, you don't really know until you get there. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's, that's pretty similar. I've, I've fallen in that trap of like the don't repeat yourself, you know, like, oh, I got to drive this code. I don't want to like duplicate this thing. I don't want to write it twice and go so far as to be like, all right, let me make this other library now that I'm going to like import and I'm going to maintain this as like my common code place and oh now i can share it on the client and the server but then you have this other thing you have to maintain and take care of and it's like yeah it's sort of the same way yeah that i do feel about like microservices especially early on and like products for yeah kind of like startups and stuff where you do need to build it kind of faster like the kind of tooling that you have to put in place around microservices just for local development is just such a pain when you're trying to write like an app in a reasonable amount of time just to get people to use it i mean obviously setting it up with docker compose or something like that but then just configuring cores on every project and that type of stuff it's just a pain to run locally and you're just like adding a barrier to actually getting your potential customers to use it to see if they even want to use it well the release cycle becomes a chore too right so i had some older I guess we'll call it like a monolith that I worked with for a while where it, it took like, I don't know, it was like 45 minutes to release or something. And everyone was like, it takes so long with this bugs. It needs to be fixed. And like, we have to wait for this build and for it to release and everything. It's like, well, in order to change that one thing, I have to change it in this repo. It's like the common library for it. And then I need to pull into my UI 
and like and each then, one of those you need to make a pull it. request yeah. that does the build and then you push it out and it push you know then it releases it and you do that like all these steps along the way so like if you have to change your ui and your back end mm-hmm. and then there's like some common shared server and like a like a definition stored somewhere else it's just like you're changing like five places they all take like half an hour each and they're relatively linear things so it's like yeah 45 minutes isn't ideal but each one of those things took 30 minutes and you add them all up and it takes way longer to fix that you know critical bug but even if let's say you update a formatting currency function in this like library like that and it's for one website that needed it one of the apps that's using it like if you're really truly doing it the right way you would go through like you've now changed that thing so any of your other apps that are using that library should all be tested again right like smoke test just to make sure that like nothing broke and everything's like working <laughs> properly so yeah. you, and it's like it depends all how you I write wanted it. was a number <laughs> yeah it depends how you write it obviously and if it's versioned and yeah. versioned correctly and you know all that definitely I'm like I'm sitting here trying to think, come up with like a rule of thumb like like if you're starting out with a project like what's a good rule of be thumb be lazy be lazy that's a that's, that's a good one yeah that's, that's a good bad. one what I was gonna say is if you're <laughs> using lazy. more than one maybe two Git repos you're you're doing it wrong at the beginning yeah like I feel that way anyway so yeah I can see that and I feel like two like you'd have to have a really good the only reason I can see for, for two that. is if I had um I wanted to do like a static site on one side and then an API as like the other service. Oh yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, I think Gala is starting with the UI and the the API and separate repos is pretty good. Especially just yeah, I mean you probably want to put your UI on some type of CDN or something. It's just I mean, that's not a big deal though. But I think that's for sure the way to start. Anything more than that is probably too much. I understand like wanting to have services owning their own domain of the data, but it's just like we said, something that you could probably hold off on <laughs> until later. Well, you have all these other problems too then, right? Because there has to be some way to communicate between those APIs sometimes or sync that, that data, which becomes a nightmare. And it's like, it's even more problems that you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, just because you want to be prepared for a theoretical future that may never come. Yeah. On personal projects, I've started even combining the server and client even just into one repo. Even though I've done know. it in the past. Yeah. Like, yeah. All the time. <laughs> And now that I'm doing like Nux projects when I spend spin things up on the side, like it's built that way. Just yeah. so I just already in one and like, eh, just keep moving. Yeah. It's uh I like that. Be lazy. It seems like such simple advice, but that's actually I mean if you think about like a hackathon kind of thing, you're not like, all right, let's get the my UML diagram that. out on the board. Like yeah. no, I think, some I think, people I think do. a sense of urgency also comes into it too. If you have like a dead like a deadline or a timeline or something, you know, that'll try to hopefully keep you from, you know, getting too far off course. Yeah. That's true. Cause then you could be like, well, um, you know, I didn't get this thing launched in time, but man, it's going to scale. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though. Cause like people, that's the thing that in engineering where, you know, people get really upset about like these hard dates, yeah. you know, cause I mean, to a degree, a lot of times they are pretty arbitrary, but I mean, it can be based around like funding or, um, or moving off of a previous client that they were already paying top dollar for. And they're like, yeah. And then some things that we, we've definitely across various projects here run into is that like their business is seasonal mostly so like something has to be done before some certain event in culture i guess that's when meteors like that right hunting seasons in the fall and like they do a lot of their pr around that so yeah there was like uh where um adam was working before at boundless like the textbooks thing like it had to be done before they went to college or else like they just (laughs) they lost all their business uh yeah 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 time
It's because we've seen this places where there is no time limit and things just get built for years and, well, you know, <laughs> four years. <laughs> uh, just get built for years and never get deployed or whatever. And then, and then we come in and we put down a timeline and then something gets built in like three months, which is, it doesn't have all those, like the bells and whistles, but like you get there, you know? But then you get to find out earlier, like, do, is this what people want? Are yeah. we like even close or well, I think we're getting better about that as an industry instead of being like you build it once and you're done it's sort of like this is an ever this is the thing you have to tend you know you gotta like maintain this project and take care of it and pay attention to it and keep it going making the feedback loop smaller basically yeah yeah, yeah I think a lot of the times where I run into the problem of kind of things like that is where it's like a smaller startup and the employees there are probably in jobs before that where they probably weren't working with the exact stuff that they wanted to. They were working on the same thing for a long time. They didn't get to experiment with new stuff. And then they come to this new Greenfield thing and they want to do all of the things that they weren't able to do before and try out all these new like design patterns and different paradigms and stuff when that's really like the business doesn't care about that stuff but it's just like their personal gratification after being bored for like two or three years at some like company where they're just like adding tiny little features, like yeah. their whole sprint might be adding like some dialogue to ask someone if they're sure they want to do something. I did that exact thing. I was like on a project and then I was like doing small things. And then after I left that company and was doing a different project, I like got really into like setting up linters for like a three day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, like, that's like a good example. Yeah, it's it's just like, <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, to your point, like, they don't care. The customer doesn't care if I use, like, BEM in my CSS style names and stuff like that. Like, they just care if it works or not. Like that. What were you talking about, though? It, I was actually thinking about this the other day and, like, why people use the newer versions of Angular. And I feel like that's kind of, like, it's the compromise. So p- these companies, especially larger ones, adopted, like, one point whatever. And I feel like, you know, these people are like, well, we want to use React. We want to use whatever's new. Um, cause yeah, they're just sick of it. It has its own problems. They want to move away from like, well, we already invested in angular. So how about the new angular? And then they get sick of that. They're like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and I think the same thing happens. Yeah. I mean, that's true. It's something you gotta like watch out for. I think it's important for us too. When we're like hiring people that came from somewhere where they felt oppressed and we're like, well, let's yeah. throw you on this project. Like, don't, don't do that thing that you, I know you want to, like, I know you want to like write all this stuff so bad. Just don't do it. Like you probably think parcel is the coolest thing under the sun, but like, we'll get there. Like, don't worry about it right now. Uh, Well, we're tracking pretty decently on time. Do you want to go around and do picks right now? Sure. Sure. You go first. Why me? I went first last time. All right. right. (laughs) Um, Mine's kind of like a news thing slash like PSA, but um, this started to hit mainstream media not too long ago. And I don't mean like, as compared to like weird underground like conspiracy theory stuff but like more like tech related stuff but um it's something i think it's worth checking out but the new proposal for the version three of the plugin system for chrome i think is the right way to phrase it um might actually kill off um popular ad blockers like you block origin ad block ad block plus do you all use ad blockers i do i, do. I have never used one I unblock selectively. If it's a good site, like if I use the site and I want to support them, I'll unblock. I just have. I just don't mind ads. I don't care. It depends how like privacy oriented you are too, because they track like everything and fingerprint you and stuff. I mean, like 
maybe I'm sounding really crazy right now, but um, I think, I I think there are like a good amount of people that like, do care about like not being tracked? I like it. Yeah. No, I definitely like to sell you. Well, that's probably why you like pick so much. Also, because you just like to learn about things that exist that you don't know about. That's exactly that you right. might want. Yeah. And like things that you're probably going to like. Like Instagram ads are really good for me. Because I'll like, yeah. swipe through there. I'm like, I didn't know this was a thing. This is so cool. Yeah, exactly. That's actually probably one of my only sources of ads is, is because it's on my phone. But uh, a lot of the times the ads are pretty good. And I assume the ads on Facebook would be similar since it's the same. It's such a weird thing for me to hear, to be honest. I like, feel like I, I want commercials. Yeah. You want commercial? Well, no, that's what he's saying. Oh, 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 oh. You confused me there. (laughs) So that's actually interesting. Well, since we're talking about ads, we might as well. Um, I went, like, you know, cable cutter years ago, didn't have, like, back in, like, 2005 or whatever, and uh, I pay for YouTube Red, and I have Spotify Premium, so I don't have ads, like, in anything that I watch. What is YouTube Red now? Is that YouTube Premium? They renamed it, I think. Well, they have YouTube TV, and oh, yeah, I think I think you're mixing that up with, uh, yeah, what's the other site? YouPorn? They have like a... they have a red. It's called red. And I think that's uh, part of the reason uh, that YouTube branded away that. from that. That's really yeah. funny. Yeah. Good for them. Um, <laughs> good for you, porn to like ride those coattails. No. <laughs> don't, don't reveal your pick. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get my referral code first before we go there. They should just keep renaming theirs, their plus service or whatever it's called, to force so, YouTube to yeah, keep changing theirs. Well, when I would like want to go to bars and stuff now, and if there's like a TV in the background, I pay way more attention to the commercials. I'm like, me too. What is this commercial? I've never seen. Like, I I treat it like content. TVs is like mysterious thing to me, and just like a fly. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) So that's my PSA. But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We should. Yeah, there's actually this like coffee place (laughs) near my house that their TV only plays infomercials. That's awesome. It's actually like on Sunday, like um, like me and my wife will go get coffee and stuff there, and just sit there. And like I just watch the infomercials, it's the late night programming. Oh. I feel like I had this idea a while ago of uh, having a website that was like just commercials, so like commercials as content. So if you just wanted to go see an ad, you would just go to this like a, like a destination, like a YouTube for for content. I think that's called YouTube trending now. <laughs> well, I mean, like it's literally meant for people to just host their ads there, and it's like there is sites like that where you can go watch them and you get paid for watching them. What? Do you remember back yeah, in the day, you actually you could install like an extension or a toolbar in your browser, and then you just got, as you browse the web, they would just show ads in that toolbar, and you got paid to keep it up? This is exactly yeah. what oh, I yeah. don't Do want. That. Yeah. Yeah. that was a thing, though. For I remember I used Net Zero for a long time because it was oh, yeah, like yeah. this big banner right across the top, free internet. It's like while you're connecting, I think it would show you the ad or something. Or always. The whole time. Yeah, it showed. Always the whole time. I used one called Free iNet. That was like the internet service Sounds provider. Like a virus. Had. Yeah. It basically <laughs> was. I mean, we did that. We did have Kazaa way back when. Yeah. Like yeah. The LimeWire. Remember that time we just like straight up infected our computers with AIDS so we could have free music? <laughs> <laughs> that was the cost. That was the price. Yeah. Back then, I mean, computers were so slow, you'd know if you had a virus, though. That's true. It was like one additional operation. It was just like your computer did it. Plus a mechanical hard drive. It's like, eh. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right, we'll keep the picks going. So mine's, uh, I've just finished this audiobook called Bad Blood. Um, it's about Theranos and how they came to power and how they were dismantled by this like awesome, deep uh, journalism in this Wall Street Journal article. And it's just like a good tale of like, you see it all the time in Silicon Valley. People will show you something, demo something, kind of like dance around it. Maybe they're like lying a little bit in the demo. Like it kind of works. It kind of doesn't do all the features. And then they get investor money and you go on to the next stage and you fix that thing that didn't work. And Is this BitConnect? No, it sounds like that, yeah. Um, so they did that for years. Like they just kept that lie going. And they're like, yeah, it'll work eventually. And then they took on tons of money and it did not go well. And uh, Wait, is this a true thing? Oh, or? yeah. Okay. Time. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good cautionary tale. Um, 
Good book. Yeah, Bad Blood. My turn? Yeah. All right. So mine is, and I have it up here because it's a long title, The Idea Factory, Bell Labs and the Great Age of American Innovation, otherwise known as The Idea Factory. And it's about uh, Bell Labs and how it came about. It's real. I've, I like tech history, so this is like really interesting stuff. But like, they have little things about like how they got like theor like theorist like theoretical physicists to talk to, uh, to talk to engineers by like putting them in different buildings, but making sure the cafeteria was at the center of the campus and like really cool little things like that. Maximizing interactions, kind of thing. Yeah, really okay, good right. tech history. So yeah, if you're interested in that. Cool. Uh, so sticking with the theme of scaling, um, there's this service, uh, maybe most people know this, maybe they don't, but there's a service called Now um, by a company called Zeit. I think it's pronounced Zeit. Uh, it's the guys who make uh, Next.js, the okay. people that make Next.js. Uh, and it's just something, um, you know, maybe, maybe if you're not ready for, for AWS or such a you know, large scale solution, it's something that you could get in the middle, like more along the lines of a Heroku, but an alternative to that. Very cool. Yeah. I didn't know about that. All right, Ian? Uh, so my pick is going to be a recent, introduction to me actually by brandon which is a uh, tab soda because i never knew it was a diet <laughs> soda and now i have wow. another option and yeah. it's pretty good yeah clear tab clear they make tab clear that, that was a thing oh oh i don't know I would it, it was I think clear it was, diet sodas i don't think i trust that for i don't know it yeah banned. it should be banned that's not that's not, <laughs> <laughs> not safe it's yeah basically a different tasting diet time, coke yeah. it's pretty good yeah yeah, Tab. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Code Monkey likes Tab and Mountain Dew. All right. Well, I think that's it. Thanks, everyone, for coming. And uh, until next time.